Bibles, remain standing for just a few moments. 2 Kings chapter 2, just a few more moments. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. It's good to see Jason and Katie. Come on now, just got married. Hello. What's today's date? Nine months, amen, from more babies. We're just going to have babies all over the place, amen. I just feel it, spirit of babies. 2 Kings chapter 2, we're going to read just a couple of verses, praise the Lord. Verse 1 says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Before you're seated, shake somebody's hand and ask them, do you have any passion? Then you may be seated. Maybe they could turn this up on the monitor just a little bit. As you kept your finger on that portion of the Bible, let's read just a little bit more because I want to see this story here. And I, I don't know what it is, but I love stories. Anybody else love stories? When you get into preachings and you get into uh, studying the Word and your homiletics and hermeneutics, they, they give you different types of uh, topical messages, uh, you know, your in-depth messages, you know, your uh, the textual messages. I just love stories. I love stories. Um, the other day I went to watch a movie. I don't recommend a lot. Uh, this is one that I do recommend. It was very good. It was called Million Dollar Arm. Has, have you heard of that? Anybody heard of it? Did anybody see it? Nobody's seen it? I know, because it's kind of seeming like a low budget, made by Disney. Very good. Maybe because I'm a baseball player, it kind of got me. Uh, it's a great story, because it's a true story. I love things that are true. Don't you? I love true stories. Let's read this story because this is a true story. Look at verse 3 of 2 Kings chapter 2. It says, The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know what the Lord is going to take your ma- Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. <laughs> That's cold right there, huh? He's telling him something, he tells him, you know what? Shut up. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets of Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know this. Now shut up. That's my translation. He just says, be quiet. And Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. He replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took off his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing. Elisha said, nevertheless, 
Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and the horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took a hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. Here in this portion of Scripture, I want to talk to you this morning about something that I'm passionate about, and that is passion. Somebody say passion. Somebody say passion. All the ladies say passion. All the men say passion. All those who are passionate say passion. I want to talk to you about passion. I shared this story a few months back, and I remembered it once again, and I found it fitting for this message once again. The other day, I had been driving, and as I was driving in my car, which, by the way, I want to thank all of you that helped contribute to my brand new car. I got a brand new, well, it's brand new to me, amen. It's a little old school. I think it's a 98, 99 Beamer, and uh, it's on some rims. Even, uh, I think I was driving today, and somebody saw me in my Beamer, and they thought I was a drug dealer. I was driving, I was like, suck. Say, I a dope dealer. I'm a hope dealer. Amen. I drive around, I bring hope. So anyways, when I was driving my other car a few months back, uh, I remember I had been driving and I seen on my, uh, uh, you know, not the windshield, but the mirror, the mirror that was there on my driver's side, there was a spider web on there. And I seen this spider web and I had been, you know, when you see something, you're like, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Days went by. I seen it. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Weeks went by. Driving. Ah, I'm going to get to it. I went, Finally, I said, you know what? This spider web, I've been driving everywhere, up and down. I, I'd seen it finally when I was staring at it on my way to Santa Cruz. So I go, oh, look at this thing. I'm going to drive. I figured if you're like me, drive a little faster. Maybe it'll fly off, right? Am I the only one that, I'm the only one that does that, right? I'm the only one that just, like, mm, fly, fly, you know. I do that with bugs sometimes. Sorry, officer, I was trying to get a bug off my windshield. That's what it was. It wasn't my fault. It's the bug's fault. So I was driving a little faster, like, all right, it's, man, this thing was like Spider-Man put it on or something. It wouldn't come off. So finally I go, okay, I'm going to get it off. So I went to the car wash, and I got the power washer, like, for sure. I'm washing my car. Yeah, I go. I'm cleaning the whole thing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know what it is when you get a gun in your hand of any sorts. A water gun, a BB gun, I had a pressure gun. I was like, yeah, you know, don't you feel more powerful when you have that? You're like, okay, it's just a guy thing, all right. The guys, right? Like, yeah, you know, and I'm cleaning things, and I, you know, you know. And so I remember I said, okay, I'm cleaning my car. Finally, I'm done, and I'm driving. I'm driving off, and lo and behold, what do I see? The spider web. I go, you got to be kidding me. Did Peter Parker come on my car and just, like, this thing wouldn't leave for nothing, even though I washed it. What I have found that many times, even in church and even in Christianity, I have found men and women, Christians, that have been washed in the blood, yet are still covered with spider webs. Still, you come to church. Hallelujah, glory to God. 
But yet when you leave here, there's still those spiders. They're just on you. And you're wondering, why in the world won't this thing come off? Listen, here this morning, I want to give you a few, a few tools that I believe are going to help those cobwebs and spiderwebs come off. Can I hear an amen? Here this morning, listen, if we're going to do the work of the Lord, then listen, we cannot be rusty in our work of the Lord. Listen, some of us and some of you ladies, you go and you get a pedicure every week, every two weeks, every three weeks. I don't know how many often you go out and you get your pedicures, but how often do you get your feet to witnessing for God? You get your feet cured for you, but what about your feet witnessing for God? The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the good news. Some of you guys, you call your car a baby. That's what you, like, I don't know, I've, I've never really been into cars that much, but I know a lot of guys that, oh, it's my baby, this is my baby right here. So you, you need to take that around, and you need to treat your calling like a baby. Oh, this is my baby, God has called me. I need to make sure that I'm doing the work of the Lord, that God has called me to preach to the hurting. Can I hear an amen? So you, you got to take some of those things around. See, some of this right now, already looking at you, so it's not a popular message. They're like, oh, man, he's going to tell me about doing the work of the Lord. Look it, when you stand before God, how far be it for me that you say, oh, God, I was going to do it, but my pastor never told me to do it. No, I'm going to make sure that I preach and I tell you, look, you must do the work of the Lord. But when you do it, now, hopefully this message will not uh, kind of put you in that direction, but will give you a passion for it. Look at your neighbor and say, do you have passion? Come on, ask him, do you have passion? When we look at the story of Elijah and Elisha, it's a very famous story within Christianity, but I want to kind of look at it in a way that I believe that's going to help kind of push us in that passionate way. Three things that I want to share with you with Elisha that we look at that are going to help us within our lives and within our ministry. We see here that Elisha a few times says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. The first thing that we see here when it comes to doing God's will for our lives, we cannot be distracted. Don't be distracted. Many years ago, I remember uh, my mom spoke a message, and she was talking about within it. She was talking about distractions, and she said, the reason why I sit towards the front has nothing to do with I want people to see me, uh, okay, I'm the leader, I have to be here. No, the reason why I just sit towards the front just a little bit is just because, hey, I don't want to be distracted. Let's be honest. Many times, all it takes is one person over here to get up, and right away, don't we go like this? Because let's be honest, we're distracted very easily. We get distracted very easily. So now I'm talking about when it comes to the will of God, we can't be distracted. Tell the person next to you, say, don't distract me. No, come on, tell them with authority. Look at them in the eyes and tell them, don't distract me. Three times we read this phrase. Three times Elijah tried to send Elisha away. The prophet came out and tried to give him a discouraging word, but he would not be distracted by any of it. God had called him to a mission, and he planned on fulfilling it and fulfilling it with passion. See, my friend, it's very easy to become distracted when we're trying to fulfill the mission that God has given us to do. Listen, every Christian is a missionary, and every missionary has a mission. Are you hearing me this morning? Every Christian is a missionary, and every missionary has a mission. Listen, we have been called by God on a mission. 
God didn't breathe life into your lungs just so that you could wake up, go to work, eat, sleep, and be merry. That's it. God didn't give you the life that you have just so you could say, look at my fancy clothes. Look at my nice house. Look at the shoes that I wear. God didn't give you that purpose to tell everybody, hey, look at me. God gave you the purpose to say, hey, everybody follow me as I follow Christ. There is a purpose to your life. It's more than just waking up in the morning and figuring that I'm going to make money as I do my time. It's more than that. Wouldn't that kind of be, a, to me, that's kind of a purposeless life. To me, I just wake up this morning, I'm going to put money in my pocket. You know what I found with that? That my pocket has a hole in it. My pocket has a hole in it. But guess what? My purpose will never have a hole in it will never have a hole in it. Why? Because God has given us a mission. See, God has given you a mission. God has given us a mission. Can I hear an amen? And this mission gives us purpose. The person with the mission has no time to waste. If you have that purpose, you got to ask yourself even a few questions. What is it God is calling me to be passionate about? What are the things in this life that are causing me to even be distracted from the mission that God has given me? What is it that causes people to get tired even of ministry for others and eat very easy for them to sit down onto the sidelines? What is it that enables Christians to separate from the important ministries that are so needful of even others? What are some of the things, I want to give you two things just real quickly, that begin to distract us many times, and if we're not careful, they can take you and kind of suck you dry. One of the things that happens a lot of times that distract us from our mission is people. Somebody say people. Now, I want to be very clear about this because people also encourage you. But you got to be very careful of the people that discourage you, that discourage you. I remember many years ago when uh, I played baseball, and I can always tell when I was on a good team. Because when I was on a good team and I struck out, when I went back, I had guys that were on the bench that would come and say, hey, it's all right, Stevan, good job. You'll get him next time. But then I was on some bad teams. Because when I would strike out, I would go back to the bench and go, yeah, that was whack. Like, dude, help me out here, man. Give me some encouragement. And so I'm not talking about the people that are giving you, hey, good job, you can do it. I'm talking about the people that they just suck you dry. you got to be very careful of these people that will distract you. The very people many times that we are trying to help can often drain us of our own spiritual passion. Gordon McDonald in his book, Renewing the Spiritual Passion, he said this. Uh, he gives us a breakdown of five kinds of people that affect our spiritual passion. I'm going to give them to you real quickly if you're taking notes. This is actually very good. When I read this part of the book, it really stuck out to me. Five kinds of people that affect your spiritual passion. Number one is this. The very resourceful people, they ignite our passion. Very resourceful people ignite our passion. Two very important people, they share our passion. Two is very important people, they share our passion. Three, very trainable people, they catch our passion. Very trainable people, they catch our passion. Number four, very nice people, they enjoy our passion. They enjoy our passion. And number five, draining people, they sap our passion. These are the five kinds of people that will affect your spiritual passion. Resourceful people will ignite you. Those are the people that even when you're feeling down, you got to keep those people around you because they will pick you up. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've just been feeling down, you've been feeling out, but then all of a sudden that person, they call you, hey, how you doing? Man, all I needed was a phone call. Those are the people that you want around you. 
Those are the people that you want to stick around you. Those are the people that are going to help you. And listen, you got to position yourself. Put yourself around those people. That's why I brought those faces up here. Isn't Daniel, isn't he a very handsome man? Daniel's handsome. He's single. He's 20. He likes long walks on the beach. I'm just kidding. He likes long walks down Mission, passing out flyers. Amen. That's what he likes. But I, I brought them up here so that you can see the faces that will ignite your passion. When, I see, when you see Eric up here, when you see the life group leaders, when you get, I know when Ishmael, he'll call me up every now and then. Hey, pastor, what you do? Those people, they just ignite your passion. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, man, I'm, I'm doing this. All right, let's do it. But then you have those people, and you know who they are because a lot of times we give them more time than they should be allotted in our life. And those are those draining people. They just drain the life out of you. Listen, some of us, we, we got to cut some people out of our lives that sometimes they don't need to be there. See, it's real easy when you first get saved. How many remember when you first got saved? You cut out a lot of people. Oh, I don't need you. I don't need you. Oh, man, because like, I don't, okay. All they do is drink alcohol. I'm done with the alcoholics. All they do is smoke. Okay, I got to smoke. Uh, now, for those of you that you just got saved, you, you, you know, trust me, you, you don't need alcoholics around you. You need passionaholics. That's what you need. You need some men and women that are going to ignite you, not the ones that are just going to suck the life out of you. Be careful of it because that's all they do. Those people, be careful. The second type when it, that, that drains you, the second type that will uh, kind of get that spiritual passion and get it away from you is being too busy. Too busy. Being too busy to renew that spiritual passion within our lives. If we learn anything from the life of Jesus, it ought to be that we under, he understood the principle of spiritual renewal. He modeled the ability to get away from his disciples and spend time alone. Listen, it's very important. Look, I know you have your children. I know you got your wife. I know you got your family. But you need to learn how to get away and get along with God. It's very, very important. I can't tell you how many times there's been, even in my household, with four children and people coming in and out, there's a lot of times where we could tell my wife can see it on me. I can see it on her. Okay, we, we have our room in the back. And we just, when we need that time, okay, we'll take the kids. I'll take the kids. You go do your thing. And I'll say, Chella, okay, she takes the kid because, man, it's very important that we have that spiritual renewal with God. You, ha you have to have that alone time with God. You just got to get away from all the distractions and say, God, I need to hear from you. I need to renew. You know how many times you will read in the scriptures that Jesus himself, he said, okay, disciples, you go over here. I need to go over here. I got to go pray. And you would think he's the savior of the universe. He's the savior of this world. And yet, nevertheless, he said, okay, even my disciples, you guys go over there. I need to have some alone time. I need to get away. Every once in a while, you, you got to learn. You got to get that time and say, listen, I know you're my wife. I know you're my husband. I know you're my best friend. Listen, some of you, you, you give more of your information to your best friend than the one who's really best for you. And you're wondering why, and then every once in a while, your best friend's not there. Man, who do I call now? Now who do I talk to? Because if you have that relationship with him the whole time, then I'm telling you, see, that's that gets your spiritual passion going, and it keeps it going. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have some hard times in Christianity. 
There's going to be some times where even you're going through a few things, and you're even going to hate your best friend at times. Oh, my best friend, she's getting on my nerves. Oh, he gets on my nerves. Well, you should go to the one who gave you the nerves in the first place. He'll know how to replenish those nerves. Quit trying to get people on your nerves and get replenishing of the nerves. Don't get distracted. Tell your neighbor, don't get distracted. We need to take the time to get our passion renewed while serving God. Can I hear an amen? So first, you got to refuse to be distracted. Secondly, be passionate about our dedication to the calling. Elijah, Elisha is first mentioned in 1 Kings chapter 19. We have three verses that describe his calling by Elijah. From that point on, in the story of Elijah, the prophet, we have no record of Elisha and his work. The only hints come from the passage describing his calling, which ends by declaring he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. The only time we read about the life of Elisha is with Elijah. We don't hear all that much more, other than he became his attendant. It's not until the very end of the prophet Elijah's life that we see Elijah showing up. The thing that we find most fascinating about Elisha's ministry is that he did it with no fanfare. He did it with no recognition. He served an old irritable prophet who at best had a nasty disposition. Do a personality profile on Elijah the prophet, and you're going to see that he was not easy to get along with. The prophet Elijah, matter of fact, as you read the scriptures many a times, many of the prophets, they were not easy to get along with. Many prophets. Matter of fact, even Jeremiah, Isaiah, they, they, Jonah, oh my gosh. They, like, these were very irritable guys. They didn't get along with people. Because you have to remember, a lot of the words that they shared, people did not want to hear. Matter of fact, that's why Jeremiah himself said, man, I, everything I say, people, they don't listen to me. This guy's talking about me. My best friends, read it there, I believe it's in Jeremiah chapter 30. My best friends are talking about me. They're all making fun of me. They're all whispering about me. Isaiah, he had a hard life being a prophet. Can you imagine going up to a city as Jonah and saying, you're all going to die? I'm pretty sure people are not going to like you. Being a prophet was not easy, and still to this day is not easy. Elijah, when you read his life, just because he, he, he would say, I'm a man of God, I'm killing all of you. People will die. So imagine Elisha having to follow a man who's very irritable, who actually, when you come under his ministry, nobody's going to recognize you. Nobody's going to know your name. Nobody's going to know what you're doing. There's no idea. That's what Elisha had to do. He had to follow this man. So we see he, that he was never included in any of these remaining exploits. He didn't include him in any of the scriptures that we read, no mention of his name, only that he was Elijah's attendant. See, God expects every one of us to serve by serving others. He calls us to serve without recognition. He calls us to serve him because it is right to serve him, not because we get a Christ follower of the month award. Listen, we do these awards every so often, but listen, don't uh, uh, pursue ministry because you get an award. 
Don't get into ministry because, oh, man, people are going to recognize me. I even heard uh, many times people say, man, I want to be a pastor one day because I want to get all the recognition. (laughs) Oh, my friend, you are in for a rude, rude, rude awakening. Elisha understood this. Elisha understood that, hey, if I'm going to follow this man, maybe nobody will recognize me. Nobody's going to see me in the late night hours passing out flyers, praying for people on the streets. Nobody's going to see the things that I'm able to do when I see the people in the homeless. Listen, some of you, you have a great ministry and nobody sees it. You have a powerful ministry and it's not recognized. You need to know something. In the same way that Elisha understood it, you had that spirit of Elisha on you. Nobody's recognizing what you're doing. But listen, you need to know something. That's the service that God has called us to do. Not all the recognition. We don't come up here, see the videos, watch it all on screen. We don't recognize every service, every time. Man, we're passing out awards. No, we do it because we want to serve him. When we have that, we have that spirit of Elisha on us. That what we do, we don't do it for the recognition of men. We don't do this so that people can say, hey, great job, sister. Hey, great job, brother. No, we do it so that one day we can stand before God and say, God, I did everything that you called me to do. I just wanted to be that good and faithful servant that you breathed life into. That's it. The other day, even I myself, I got checked by Sister Julie. Right, I got checked by Sister Julie. Because I was down there, had a, had a meeting, and I was missing out on something up here. Uh, for me, I was missing out on something because I had to go down there. So I had mentioned it, right? I had mentioned it. I said, man, I could, you know, it was actually uh, somebody gave me some tickets to a game. And I'm a Giants fan. And I was like, yeah. And they were lower seat right there in the bottom. I could shake hands with Tim Lincecum's seats. You know, like, man, that would have been awesome. So... To me, I was like, all right, well, it's cool. So when I was down there, I just made mention of it, you know, like, all right, I went down there. Hey, praise the Lord. And I remember one of the persons, they had mentioned it. Oh, man, Pastor Stevon, he missed, you know, this thing to come down here. And Sister Julie goes, oh, that's good. Your reward is here now. You're not going to get your reward in heaven. And I went, oh, my gosh, she just cut me. Because it's true. It's very true. I should have just kept my mouth shut. Just be quiet. It's not a big deal. If you want your reward, hey, guys, look what I did. Oh, good job. Good. All you're getting is hand claps. When God had diamonds for you. God had jewels for you. But now, oh, take that off. There you go. You want a recognition of men? You got it. Good job. Great job. Atta boy. Good job. Atta girl. When God has so much more for us. Listen, what we do here, we don't do for the recognition of man. We don't do this for the recognition of the church. We do this to honor God. That in everything that I do, everything that I say, may it bless the Lord. May it praise the Lord. May it give honor and glory to God. Listen to me, church. What we do here, even the saving of souls, we don't save souls under victory outreach. We don't save souls under man. We don't save souls just because, oh, we want people to see how many people come at the altar. No, we want to save as many souls to get close to God that's why we do this we want them to have a relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and if you get no recognition of it and so be it so be it don't do it for the recognition man one day I'm gonna get up on that stage one day I'm gonna get up on there 
I remember a couple times we used to do the, our drama shotgun. And many times well, I, I'd have young guys come up to me and go, oh, man, I'm going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in the drama. I'm going to do in the drama. I'm going to be a part of that. Like, all right, that's cool. And, and they start coming to church to be a part of the drama. Within one or two showings, gone. Gone. It's not as easy as it looks. It's not as easy as it looks. Oh, people, oh, they recognize, oh, they recognize. Listen, my friend, the recognition is so much pressure on top, and Elisha understood this. So Elisha was fine with, hey, you only want to know that I was his attendant. We did all these things. Nobody knew what I did until the very end, until the very end. Elisha understood that. Hey, if I get no fanfare, I get no recognition, nobody knows what, whatever I've been doing, it's fine. I want to keep that humble spirit. Keep that spirit of Elisha. My prayer is that our church would have that spirit of Elisha upon us. Can I hear an amen? Tell your, tell your neighbor, say, be humble. See, we need to be dedicated to the calling and the ministry that we are engaged in. And it means that we put time and effort into whatever we do for God's honor and for God's glory. A prominent preacher said this, and it really struck me when he said it. He said, lack of dedication is the curse of the modern church. When he said that, I said, ooh, my gosh. We get a lot of men and women that say, hey, I will go to church, but I don't know if I could be the church. I will go to church, but if you want me to be the church, well, that's a little bit too much dedication. I don't know if I could. I could bring a Bible, but I don't know if you want me to read the Bible. I mean, I'll, I'll do my best by showing up, but I don't know if I want God to show up inside of me. I'll just come. That's it. And that's a curse on the church. I like years ago uh, when we had the World Conference, Reinhard Bunke, I'll never forget what he said, never forget. Struck me, hit me like a ton of bricks. And he said this. He said, if all the Christians of America were to pray 24 hours a day, 365 days in the year, and pray fervently, America would still go to hell. I said, whoa. He said, it's not until the Christian gets up off their knees and dedicates their life to preaching the gospel that souls will be saved. Whew, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Listen, we, we said it earlier, we're having the dedication with prayer. And listen, we need prayer, but we need men and women that are going to dedicate themselves to getting up off their knees and saving souls. Listen, we have a great commission. This is not a small commission. We don't call it the, the, the subtle small commission. We don't call it the, well, it's just the itty-bitty whenever you feel like it commission. It's called the great commission. In other words, for a great commission, there's a great reward. But your reward is not here on earth. It's in heaven. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an Amen. There are men and women that are waiting for you to preach the gospel. See, a lot of times we think, okay, let's let Daniel do it. He's just good looking anyways. Let Brother Eric do it. Oh, man, he loves to hit the streets. He loves to talk to people. No. Did you know that God has called you to talk to people? God's called you to preach to people. Don't leave it up to the church. We're you are the church. You are the one. 
See, I know right, right away we think, well, I don't know that much scripture. Uh, you know, I'm not like teacher Bethy Paul. I don't, you know, I don't have all that much understanding. And so we wait until we obtain all this. When God says, look, all I want you to do, I've given you the anointing. I want you to get your passion, fuel it up, go out there, and I will lead you and I will guide you. Share the good news with those that need the good news. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? We need to be dedicated to this noble sacrifice that God has given us with our time and our talents. Listen, my friend, we believe that God is calling this church to do some very special and unique things in this community. Can I hear an amen? Who in the world, in their right mind, would even want to make a movie? Who does that? Big churches do that. Like if we want to talk about gospel, and church, all the churches, that, how many have seen Courageous? See Courageous? How many have seen Facing the Giants? Okay, you've seen those different movies, right? Those are all done by big, huge churches. Did you know that? I looked, I, I studied, I went into, uh, the, they call them the movie pastors, that guy there in Alabama. Big church. So they think, hey, you know what? We can do it. I guarantee you if they look at our church, they go, oh, you guys' church is small. You shouldn't be doing that. You should wait. That's the, wait, 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 you guys are going too big. Uh, think small. Do something small. God says, look, that's it. I've called a small church to do big things. I called a people that were not a people to reach those who were in their same situation, in their same circumstance. Listen, I know some of you are right now going, man, but I'm going through some things myself. Listen, I know that you're going through things. God knows that you're going through things. But I believe that God is going to provide for you every provision that you need. God is going to guide you every step of the way. Even though you might be in a little dark area right now, might be a little unclear, I believe that God is going to make the vision clear to you. I believe that God is going to light your path. Why? So that you can reach others that need to hear the gospel of Jesus. Jesus Christ, not just for ourselves, not just for you, not for the recognition, but that those that need the gospel can hear the gospel. Listen, there's a dying Hayward out there. There's a dying Castro Valley out there. Oh my gosh, there is a dying Newark out there. Dakota, oh my Lord, they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a unique calling for a unique people. Can I hear an amen? See, God has called us to be passionate and be dedicated to what he has given us. Can I hear an amen? And the third thing that we see here with Elisha is that we're going to experience a sense of destiny. Elisha had a sense of destiny which kept him faithful to his work. He saw the big picture. He got it. He knew what God was calling him to do that was something far beyond he could imagine on his own. God wanted him to do something that was bigger than what he was currently doing. To be passionate about your mission and your ministry, you must have a sense of destiny that God is calling you to be a part of. All that time that Elisha was ministering in the shadow of Elijah, he was doing it because of the sense of destiny that God has placed within his life. Look with me in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 8. And I'll be closing right here. He says, Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed it, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I've taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha said. You have asked a difficult thing, but nevertheless, nevertheless. Last year, we had Bishop Macklin come here. Do you guys remember that? Pa powerful word 
on Nevertheless. If you want it, you want to listen to it, go on to our podcast. Powerful, powerful message from Bishop Macklin. And I want you to know something here this morning. That part that Elisha said struck everything out that you might say, well, but I've got this, nevertheless. But what about this? Nevertheless. Okay, but I got to go take care. Nevertheless. Even though you have all these situations all around you, Elisha understood that. He said, man, it's a difficult thing. This is a hard thing to ask. Are you kidding me? I mean, the stuff that we're doing, like really big businesses would pay us millions of dollars to do. Did you know that? Matter of fact, they've tried to do that. They've tried to give us millions of dollars to, to do what we're doing. I remember as a youth pastor, many times I would get phone calls. Oh, are you guys Victory Outreach? Yeah, yeah. Are you guys the one that pass out flyers? Yeah. Okay, can you pass out flyers for us? It tells all the time. Can you pass out flyers for us? Okay, well, yeah, yeah, we'll pay you this much money. It's like, wow, that's a whole lot of money. That's a whole lot more than we're getting paid right now because all we're getting paid is F-R-E-E. Amen, that's it. Free. On earth, we're getting paid free. But in heaven, I'm getting paid a whole lot. People, they look at us and they're in amazement. How in the world can you guys do what you're doing for nothing? Well, because through your perspective, it's nothing. Sure, of course. For you, you think that a 9 to 5 pays you only. See, for you, you think the only way you're going to get paid is if your employer gives you a check. That's the only way you get paid. See, but Elisha understood. I didn't get paid once, but nevertheless. Nevertheless, I, I, I don't need to get paid this way. I know that my father in heaven, I got a big mansion. You see that part of the mansion? Oh, that's because uh, sister so-and-so was talking about me. That, oh, man, I got a real big. She talked about me a lot. It's okay. I took it. I got it. Oh, see that part of the mansion? Oh, that was the souls that got saved that nobody knew that I prayed for. That's a big mansion right there. See, some of you right now, as you go out there and you win souls and you pray for souls, you're building a mansion. You don't get to see it right now. See, doesn't it seem like logically... See how our mind's like, wait a second, I'm trying to wrap my mind up. Wait, how can my mind wrap around this? There was just one word that Elisha told himself that he understood. I'm not going to wrap my mind around this. I'm just going to say, nevertheless. I don't get it. I don't fully understand it. I don't have all the answers. But nevertheless, God has called me to do a unique ministry. Listen, as they come to the piano, as the worship team comes, this is very important. This nevertheless is the brunt of who we are as Victory Outreach. It's really the kind of the foundations of who we are as Victory Outreach. Many of us, when you hear the call out, I know some of you right away, you think, man, I got my job, I got my family, I got all this stuff. And Elisha understood this and he said, listen, I got all this stuff. But nevertheless, God has called me to be unique. God has called you to be unique. God has called each and every one of us to be unique. Somebody say, I'm unique. No, you're saying it like you're looking at me. No, no, no. Say it on your behalf. Say, I'm unique. Come on, say, I'm unique. Look at the person next to you. Say, you're unique. Now, if you're a unique people and you have a unique calling, you're going to have unique rewards. You're going to have unique rewards. You're going to have a unique pathway. 
You're going to have unique people that come into your path. Unique people that come in front of you. People that probably you've never have seen ever before, have never talked to you, and probably you've never talked to ever in your life, but because of the anointing of God, you come into a pathway with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I mean, some of the people that I look at even in our church, I don't know if I would have ever met them if it wasn't for the unique calling that God has given us within Victory Outreach. There's just no way. How in the world would I have ever met a man like Greg Martinez? The moment I probably shook his hand, I probably would have said, I'm never shaking his hand ever again. He just broke my hand. I don't think I probably ever would have met him before. I mean, with Jason, I don't think I probably would have ever met Jason ever before. He was too quiet. Jason was so quiet. I'm a very loud guy. I like to be around loud people. I like to do loud things. I'm just like, ah, And Jason was like, what's up? That's the first time I met him. Serious. Hey, what's happening, man? My name's Stevan. Jason. <laughs> and then what's funny is that I worked with Jason for a year. He was one of my youth leaders for a long time. A lot of times when Jason would want to make a point, we'd be talking because, you know, a lot of us, we talk a lot. We're talking, we're talking, we're talking. And then go, Jason, what do you think? And we'd be like, well, uh, yeah. Right? Those of you who know Jay, right? But the thing I like about him is that when he makes a point, it's a strong point. When he has something to say, it's a powerful thing to say. I mean, honestly, I mean, half the people that I look around, I mean, Andy and Chris, I, I was, I'd seen your guys' pictures. Oh, my gosh. The Cholo and Chola. I mean, I'd seen them like, Whoa, if you would have probably seen Andy in the street, you would have walked on the other side of the street. Like, man, this, they're crazy. They're, but now they are some of the most friendly people you will ever meet. And, you know, I'm serious. Andy goes out of his way for small stuff. Like real small, real small. And what can I do? What can I do? No recognition. None. They're just, we're a unique people. I mean, think about this. We come here and we get led by, in worship by the rocker himself. I mean, let's be honest. Some of you look at AJ and go, man, that guy's crazy. He got long hair. He's going out for the parts of Jesus, you know, Easter or something. He got the beard. And <laughs> I'll tell you right now, AJ is crazy. He's crazy. He's a nut sometimes. Because the things he comes up, hey, Pastor, what about this? And Pastor, what about that? All right, yeah, try it, I guess. I don't know. And sometimes, and trust me, if you come to our worship services, sometimes in the morning, he busts out the electric guitar. You guys know what's going on, right? Spirit of Jimi Hendrix. He's like, yeah. My God's not dead, and neither is my eardrums. Yeah. <laughs> right? We're unique people. We're different. 
See, some of you have been trying to figure out, why am I different? How come I don't get along with, man, I used to get along with them when I was younger, and now I don't, because you're unique. Don't get distracted. Maybe some of those people that used to be your friends growing up, you don't need to, they don't have that calling that you have. It's your calling. That's why they don't understand. See, sometimes some of you, when you see people on the streets, you want to go and you go help them. Other people, they go and they go, oh, man, look at it, stay away from them. But you, you're like, no, I, I, I don't know why, but I got to help her. Why do I see this, man? And why does my heart cry? Why, why do I do this? And then some of the people that are around go, why do you do that? It's because it's a calling. It's unique. I, I don't understand it, but... How, how come you're not going over there with the city and the, you should get recognized by the city and everybody should, should highlight what you're doing and the mayor should give you a plaque and a key and they don't give us nothing. But guess what? I don't want it. We don't need that. If it comes, it comes. If it don't, keys to a city don't break open a city. I'll tell you right now, keys to a city don't break open a city. The only key to a city is Jesus Christ. And the only way that city is going to be broken is if the people of the city that have the answer, that have the unique calling and the unique understanding of the spirit of Elisha, of knowing that God has called me to do the work of the Lord, get up and say, God, use me to preach to the people. Use me to preach to the hopeless. Use me to preach to a peculiar people. Listen, God has called you and I to do this great commission. Nevertheless, I know you got the different things and, well, okay, well, how do I put this together in the culture of today? You, you got to keep up with the Kardashians. I want to have this dress. I want to keep up with the latest gadget. I want to have this car. I want to have this latest thing. And so we, we try to do all this stuff. We try to, ooh, look good. And listen, I understand that God wants to bless you. But if you think that you're breathing to live the purpose of a car, you've been mistaken, my friend. If you think that God has given you a calling just to get a huge house, you've been very, very mistaken, my friend. I don't want to go before God and say, God, thanks for the huge house you gave me. He says, okay, you received your reward in heaven. Get your shack right here. No. No, I don't think my Lord's going to do that. But I'll tell you, I, I just... I, I can only imagine what, what could be. So I want to do my best and say, God, with these hands that you gave me, with this voice that you gave me, with these feet, with this body that you gave me, I want to do the work that you call me to do. It's a unique one. It's a hard one. But I believe that God is going to give you the strength, the wisdom, the understanding, the sight, the perspective to do what God has called you to do. Some of you, you're not going to get any fanfare for the ministry that God has called you to do. I've said this before. I believe we're going to open up an orphanage in, our, in this ministry, in this church. I believe we're going to open one up. I believe that somebody here in this church is going to open up an orphanage. I believe that somebody here in this church, you're going, to, you're going to go and you're going to have a huge, huge prison ministry. You're going to have a huge jail ministry. I believe somebody here in this church, you're going to have a huge homeless ministry. And nobody's going to give you any recognition whatsoever. You're not going to get any funds from the city. You're not going to get any, any funds from a millionaire, from an actor. You're not going to get it. But God is going to provide every step of the way. God's going to give you everything that you need. You will never be in lack. Never. Why? Because of nevertheless. Bow your heads with me here this morning.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To be passionate about the ministry that he has given us. Listen, my friend. Passion is not very popular when it comes to the ministry. Passion is very popular when it comes to getting money. Passion is very popular when it comes to climbing the corporate ladder. But passion is not very popular when you're not getting the recognition like Elisha. Here this morning, I want to pray for those of you here that you know that God has given you a very unique calling that may not get a whole lot of recognition. But what you do, you do it unto God. You do it unto the Lord. You don't do it unto man. No one's going to see it. Your video's not going to go viral. The city is not going to give you finances and overflood you with all these awards. But what you do, God is going to honor you. And so here this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you say, you know what, I want to reach as many souls as I can, and I don't care if it's just one soul within this one day, within this one week. I don't care if it's just one exploit that is being done other than those that are up on that stage. I may never get on that stage, but I know that God sees me on his holy stage. And as the Spirit of God is moving and ministering, even right now, I feel the, the Lord compelling me to pray for many of you that you're not going to get the recognition, that you're not, nobody's even seen you these past few months and these past few years. Nobody has seen the recognition of what you've been doing. But God's still saying, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you everything that you need. No one is seeing you. You're not going to be in the limelight, but you are going to be in the lamblight. You are going to be in the one in your Savior's care, in your Savior's uh, caressing right there. He's going to hold you tight. He's going to hold steadfast to you. He's not going to let you go, and you're not going to have to worry about anybody else. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as the worship team begins to sing this song, and the Spirit of God is moving and ministering, even right now, we're just going to let the Spirit of God move and minister.